More Than Optics podcast with Jayshree and Babin. Hello and thank you for joining us again on the More Than Optics podcast. Jayshree and I are looking to showcase some of the amazing individuals we have in the optical industry. So many who are pursuing such exciting interests and passions and occupations that are outside the industry. We have individuals who have explored exciting avenues and we really hope we can inspire you to move out of your comfort zone, try something new and to follow your dreams. Today, I'm delighted to introduce Ruth, who's a dispensing optician by profession, but now enjoys putting her amazing talents to work as a landscape architect and an advisor for Natural England. But she also uses her skills as a problem solver on various committees for the National Clinical Committee for ABDO, coordinator for the Social, Environmental and Ethical Committee and vice chair of Oxen Local Optical Committee and a member of the Advisory Council for the Landscape Institute. Have I missed something out on there no, 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 no the, the only other one that I, i'm involved in is a, an organization called folar which is a friends of the landscape archive at reading and that's quite fun too but that's another mouthful sorry i did i did warn you didn't i Bavin, that she's she's a committee lady but I, how she manages to fit all these committees in i've not a clue so this is what we're going to talk about Uh, and and have a little have a little wander through so let's start at the beginning Ruth so what do you do in terms of your dispensing role how long have you been qualified and where did you study so I qualified in 1995 I did my studying by correspondence initially Uh um, and Uh then um, I did my final year at Islington I think um, Uh and it was quite challenging but mm. I really enjoyed it. One of the reasons I got into optics in the first place is that I didn't get any A-levels. Uh-huh. So I needed to find something that I could do that would give me training. And I was very lucky to find um, a trainee dispensing optician role um, in the wonderful sleepy village of Westgate in Kent. Really pretty place. It was uh, a good place to, to begin to learn my craft. And I really enjoy dispensing. I, I, mm. I'm not doing any at the moment mm. um, and I do miss it. And I, I try to work some dispensing in with all the other bits and pieces that I do because it's I really and I'm quite a sociable person. You can probably tell. Um, mm. And I like talking to people and I like hearing people's stories. and I like solving problems. And I like enabling people. Yeah. Um, and in optics, as you know, we can do amazing uh, enabling for people just simple suggestions makes a huge difference to their life oh absolutely so I love that yeah so I qualified in 1995 and yes yeah, it's been fun ever since <laughs> and, and so where, how does that tie in with all these other roles that you do to do with uh, the, the the sort of landscape uh, architecture well, side of things it all sort of started really when I had babies and my babies uh, went to school um, and then I kind of went back to school as well mm. I find that I like to be busy and I the first step on the landscape journey was I did the Royal Horticultural Society's General Certificate in Horticulture uh, which is like a GCSE in gardening basically and mm. um, really enjoyed that and then I thought ooh I quite like that ooh, maybe I'll do something ooh and then the University of Reading is right at the end of my road and they did a course in uh, landscape management mm-hmm. and um, I spent about a year going mm, shall I do a degree? Mm, mm. Shall I do a degree in horticulture? Shall I do a degree in landscape management? Mm, what shall I do? So I decided to do a degree in landscape management. So I would take my beautiful daughters to school and then I would go to school um, and I'd do my lectures and, and fit it in around 
them wow. and um it's it, it worked really nicely because it was busy but but the each module is only 10 weeks so okay 10 weeks of god blimey this is a bit way and then it was the holidays again and you can relax so you can look at it like that and I was quite lucky I did it the last year that it was the tuition fee was a thousand pounds so that was like 300 pounds a term you know 30 quid a week like mm-hmm. an expensive hobby you know it was mm-hmm. it was uh, uh, relatively affordable one of the things that I did learn when I was doing my landscape degree is that I'm dyspraxic mm-hmm. so I went for an assessment mm-hmm. and at the end of the dis- assessment they said you're dyspraxic and I said oh what's that I'd never heard of it mm-hmm. um, and it explains why I didn't get any A-levels <laughs> and it explains why the correspondence course was quite so tricky mm-hmm. uh, for me and the study skills people at the University of Reading were fantastic mm-hmm. and gave me loads of support and loads of new skills and mm. I got a first. So wow, it's amazing, amazing the difference it makes. <laughs> that, that, that is proof, is it not? Okay, that, that given the right support yes. at the right time in yes. your and, and obviously you've got to be in that, that space to accept the support and, and, and understand your own situation and your own diagnosis. Because sometimes people get told things and they just don't it's denial, isn't it? It's like, oh no, yes. that's not me. That's it. Yeah. You were in the right space at the right time. And you got a first. Well, yeah. good on you. Yeah. And, and also yeah. understanding the the kind of how someone learns, and 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 tailoring an education program based on the way that you learn. And and that individual, everybody has that individual way that they they do things. And when you realise actually, there's some things may not work for you in a particular way, but finding a way that works for you, and as your 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 attentiveness to that that achievement. Thank Brilliant. you. Yeah. And I was like, Amazing. a squeaky shop. They gave me yeah. loads of different options, different things you can do. How do you like to do it? And I just cherry picked the bits that I really like. Yeah. And it's that skill set that I learned then that I use now to compartmentalize all the different jobs that I do. Because ah. you know, when I was studying with when the girls were little, I only had, you know, like I got four essays to write. I've got six spare hours this week. <laughs> so we're all going to get hour and a half. And what I've done at the end of it, I have to submit, there is no alternative. I, I like the idea, don't let perfect get in the way of good. Yes. You have yeah. perfectionist tendencies. And I would like everything to be perfect all the time. Thank you. But yes. it's not achievable. So yeah. just uh, submit what I can do. And uh, It was a four-year course. And I did a year in industry. And people do say it's difficult to retrain. But I didn't really realise how difficult it's going to be to retrain and okay. um, I'm I'm used to there's a, there's a certain amount people are quite impressed when you say you're an optician mm. oh you're an optician oh I did my placement year at the council and so I worked at the council and then I said to people I work at the council they instantly say well my bins weren't picked up last week comments <laughs> like that so it was quite different mm. um there was a certain amount certain perception amongst the lecturers at university that I was a young mum and I had got myself into trouble when I was younger. And this was my opportunity to get make my life a better thing. Ah. But when I said to them, I'm an optician, they were quite confused. <laughs> so that was an interesting little yeah. barrier to have. Yeah, no, no, I think, I think you're right. But the important thing is that you find a passion and that you follow it and you give yourself permission, okay, in a way, to, to, to do that and to say it's okay. You're going to do the best you can do. Like you said, perfection is not the, the, the ultimate sort of side of things. You know, you do the best you can in the time you have 
and then you know fingers crossed it all goes well and that and that's that's what I'm saying it's, it's sort of being kind to yourself in terms of what you're trying to do <laughs> um, because sometimes we aren't kind to ourselves we do you know make it quite hard for ourselves I think yeah and, and put barriers in the way where they don't really need to be there yeah. Um, I did find that uh, I'm so used to being part of a professional body with mm. ABGO mm. that um, I was very pleased that the course that I was on was accredited by the Landscape Institute. So that mm. for me, that was definitely a plus. Mm. And then the next step within landscape is to become a chartered landscape architect. Um, and so I went on and did the chartership, which is sort of a, 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 a mostly a two year process. It took me about two and a half years because it took me a while to find a mentor. I have a good friend who is a chartered surveyor mm. and I was coming up to my final exams and I said to my mate Charlie oh, what was it like what was your chartership exam like and he said Ruth it's the worst thing I've ever done <laughs> oh thanks for that mm. <laughs> okay. but it, it was it, the, the it was the process there was a viva at the end of it um, and compared to the viva you do to be dispensing competition yeah it was easy honestly yeah. it was yeah. just a couple of hours talking about all the stuff you just spent the last couple of years studying and I yeah. found it the same as well with my um landscape degree the yeah. the beaver at the end of the degree course is so much easier than mm. what we have to do to get the dispenser qualification so interesting it, it, yes that's the training do, that we've already had do you also there. think that, that your approach to learning was different as well I, so that, yes, that, yes. that actually you made it easier for yourself because you, you learned it in a different way yes and and i, I treated the, the both of them like a job mm. Um, mm. this is what i'm doing and so the work ethic was already in place and, and some of my fellow students were straight from a levels Yes. And so they, they didn't know themselves yet. And yes. so I had the advantage of knowing, I'm a bookie nerd, I like libraries, I like plants. So that definitely gave me an advantage, I think, as a mature student. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, so the, the, the chartership process was fun. Um, so I've got those letters after my name too. Um, and then after that, I, I sort of, I spent a couple of years just doing landscape. Mm-hmm. And then I spent a couple of years just doing optics because I missed it. Mm. Um, and that doesn't really work for me. I like to do both. Mm-hmm. So I, I mix and match. And so the role that I'm in now, I'm a senior advisor for Natural England. Mm-hmm. But October of last year, I was in a clinical role uh, you know, uh, in Frostbornia Opticians in Henley. Um, mm-hmm. And then we won the Independent Practice of the Year Award. So it's, <laughs> it's fun to be able to do different things. And I, for me, I think that's key. It's got to be fun. Mm-hmm. I want my days to be pleasant and enjoyable and interesting and challenging and I want to be doing work that makes a difference mm-hmm. around what, what why 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 good work um I want it to be fun today was a particularly brilliant day I have to say and and I was walking around thinking I can't believe I get paid to do this mm-hmm. it's just amazing I love it I love it I tend to try and find if I see something that I think needs a bit of help or attention or fixing then I tend to try and get involved and help um mm. I, I don't know maybe that's a mum thing I'm not sure maybe it's just mm. innate in me I always like helping and mm. and I want people to have to be the best that they can be and to have the best opportunities available to them mm. Mm. so one of the things I'm involved in is the the, the friends of the landscape archive at Reading mm. um and this is the landscape archive so the landscape institute for particularly important pieces of work all of the drawings used to be hand-drawn, of course, because we didn't have computers back in the you know, 1920s mm. and stuff. And they have the archive. And there are young landscape architects now that are in danger of trying to reinvent the wheel when actually there are there's inspiration in the archive. You just need to, A, know it's there and B, access yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, think, I think, like you say, the passion that you have for that side of what you're doing 
will roll into lots of different things. And then it's a case of finding people who are like-minded, isn't it, really? And yeah. if, you, if, if there is this massive archive of drawings which people have done many years ago and thought about, you know, thought about landscape, thought how best to use a landscape, why are you trying to invent the wheel? Why don't you just go back to something that's already there? Yeah. And I think that's often the case, isn't it? We, we want to change the world. We want to do this. And things have been done sometimes. I think that's the, that's the thing I find interesting about things like LOC committees. People go, oh, we've done that before. We've, you know, we've done that. that. That initiative's been there before. We've done it and it doesn't work. And I sort of think, yes, you're probably right. But really, the important thing is that you have new people around this table who don't have the experience, okay, you do have the experience, but equally, it should you should you should look at it with a fresh pair of eyes and see what's good out of what's been done before. You know, what what have people given you? You know, previously, you've got the, the that that blueprint, if you like, of what's worked and what hasn't worked, and then put new thought into it and see how you can move it forward. And yeah. that's part of I think of a, a good thing of committees, and that's probably what you're probably really good at. I would think in terms of the amount of committees you're on. What the what other committees did you say? I think Bavin mentioned also that you, you're. You're on the National Clinical Committee for ABDO? Yeah. Right? Yes, that's right. So I've got a seat so on the that, National Clinical Committee. What's that about then? Um, so we um, we talk about whatever clinical matters arise. Uh, we meet quarterly and uh, whatever comes up, obviously this last year has been particularly interesting. There was a committee meeting last November that I didn't manage to get to. And in my absence, um, they said, oh, Ruth will do that. Um, and that's when the social, environmental and economic summit idea arrived. Um, and it started off as a let's reduce plastic waste in optics. And obviously with the PPE element as yeah. well, there's, you know, there's a lot of it. So course, we, you know, we've got to do something. We've got, we can't, we can't keep on. Yeah. Um, and then it sort of grew. And we were like, actually, when you look at it, there's a lot that we can do to make optics more um, socially responsible uh, and more ethical and things. And so Summit launches on the 4th of October. We're doing really well. And for me, I think my main contribution to it is my project management skills. So mm-hmm. along the way, I've got uh, PRINCE2 accreditation, which is a project management qualification. That's right, yes. Um, and it, it, it's just the way my brain works, actually. It might as well just call it dyspraxia. I don't know, but it, <laughs> it works really well. And just having them to plan and do something that's achievable. Mm. So again, this sort of don't let perfection get in the way of good. Mm. So what can we actually do? How, what are our resources? How much time do we have? Let's do, okay, right, let's do that. So is this something that, that opticians and optometrists can get involved in? Or, or Yes, that- oh yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, so what can they do? What, how can they get involved in this? So the, the, the summit um, has, uh, the adverts have sort of gone out there. So uh, Abdo was sensing that. So if, if, if people Google SEE summit, we thought we were very clever calling it C. Yeah. Like, oh, look, look what we did there. Cap- <laughs> capital S, capital E, capital E, Summit. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm happy to sort of um, uh, send links out as well if people want to sure, uh, sure. uh, yeah. get hold of them. Um, in fact, I shared something on LinkedIn just the other day. Yeah. And um, it's a sign-up, and it, it was sort of wanting people to really do like a bit of a health check about where they are at the moment mm-hmm. um, with the various elements. And, you know, things like, easy things like, you know, reusable light bulbs and recycled paper and those sorts of things. But seeing where we can go with it and so sourcing the materials um what are the ethics of the companies that you're working with mm. bank with those sorts of elements yeah. um, oh you're going right the way through then it's not just to yeah. do with, yeah okay. yeah it really is the whole the whole element of it and yeah. you know the uh, waste lenses and polycarbonate um, materials and what you do with the grindings from the lab with you do if you dispense okay. polycarbonate and all these things to think about and and let's just start making a change because we really need to 
<laughs> I think that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like you say, it is it is of the moment as well. You know, we are all looking at this sort of stuff more. But I think if 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 as a as a uh, organization, you know, Abdo as an organization can look at something like that and think of uh, you know different ways to help help the whole sort of industry, then that's great, isn't it? In a way, and, and if that's the charge of one of the one of the charge of the clinical committee then that's a, that can only be a good thing yeah i think yeah absolutely and we've got we've got support from the college of optometrists and photo and and right. all sorts of individual all sorts of organizations are all going oh that's a good idea yes yeah. let's do that it's def- definitely showing leadership right in the industry i think that, yeah. that, that yeah. that's really important yeah i think so and i'm i i think i'm a very i'm a very good wing person if that makes sense i'm a very good supporter um, if I'm if I'm at the lead, I get a bit shy and a bit worried, and I'm not I'm not sure. But if I'm helping somebody else to achieve and enable, oh, no problem there. Come on, we can do it. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's that's how I got involved in um, the uh, advisory council for the Landscape Institute. That's right. how I got involved with my with the LSE, mm-hmm. just trying to help because if somebody needs to do it, I'll give it a go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right, and 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 possibly in the last twelve months to eighteen months, people have had to rethink their roles a little bit, and 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 have a little um, checklist really of what they, you know, what is it that they do, and as as we, as we've said, haven't we, having the the transferable skills that we have yeah. as eye care professionals, can, surely can be pivoted into different. Um, you know organizations and uh, absolutely, careers absolutely and and the the um the sort of the customer care skills the listening skills that i've honed in optics mm. go down a storm in landscape because mm. they don't have to do it yeah. <laughs> so even as simple as when i worked at the council mm. the way i answer the phone mm. they were like oh that's clever mm. oh okay thank you well mm. it's my professional persona this is how i answer the phone when mm. i'm being an optician so i would mm. do the same thing when I'm making the council. Interesting. Whereas some of my colleagues at the time would pick up the phone and say, yes. <laughs> Not doesn't, really the doesn't, mindset we're on, is it? Doesn't quite work. Doesn't quite cut the mustard, does it? Doesn't quite and, and it is, it's a very similar kind of, you know, you've, you're, you've got, you're helping someone, you're listening to them, you're solving their problem and then finding a solution. And yeah. actually you've just applied that for, for all of the, all of the elements, you know, whether you're working in landscape or whether you're on a committee, um so it, it really made a difference to 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 those, those skills and it's that's amazing to, to to kind of see and just for people to be aware of that that, that actually we're we're in an industry where we have to use all of our skills and 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 get challenged but by by our normal day-to-day things i think that people often they fall into a a kind of a very routine way of working you know it's it, it becomes a you know, you've just got right here's next patient work our way through but actually trying to take that out of the work I think is uh, trying to in, enjoy that part of the work I think is really important absolutely absolutely and those those listening skills and those being able to communicate skills are incredibly valuable mm. so in landscape one of the difficulties that some landscape architects find is uh, the phrase dealing with contractors and why on earth is it such a thing they're a person I'm mm. talking to a person we're mm. communicating mm. I'm, I'm getting across what needs to be getting across I'm listening to the answers mm. So the, the sort of the the, um, the barriers that that are perceived aren't there. Mm-hmm. You just talk to people as if you were. To, I talk to them as if I'm talking to a patient, mm. and <laughs> it works yeah. really well. Yeah, and I think we don't always think about it that way. That way, it's so 
normal to us, if you like. Yeah, yeah. and these that, valuable, valuable skills shouldn't, yeah. be, shouldn't be undervalued. Don't yeah. undervalue what's in your own head, because yeah. the stuff that is absolutely routine in a clinical yeah. setting, yeah. you take exact those habits out of the clinical setting, and they're groundbreaking, mm. it turns out. Mm. So, yes, I, I, and I think, for me, my journey makes perfect sense, because I, I, I wasn't quite sure how my eyeballs worked, so mm. I worked that bit out, yeah, and then I was thinking, well, what do I actually want to look at? And what I want to look at is nature. And I want to look at people connecting with nature. Mm. And for me, that's that's part of the drive of it all. Mm. Um, and trying to get people enjoying this beautiful green space we have around us and looking after it and protecting it because it is fragile. And we are going to run out of it if we're not careful. Mm. So trying getting people passionate and engaged with it. Mm. it I kind of, kind of think it's vital to our survival as a species because if we don't look after the environment... Um, how are we going to live? So um, it, for me, it's, it's, it's really important. Yeah. I think I think people getting outdoors and enjoying that part of the environment as well, I think it's great for mental health as well. Yes. I think if you yeah. spend time doing out, outdoors, and especially when you're doing creative stuff, you're you're kind of working away, and I, and I think it's really important for for people just to to, to realise what's around us. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, and my my main job at the moment um, is I'm a senior advisor for Natural England. So I do that four days a week, and then all of my other committees and roles and things I do um, on my Friday. So I've got like thirty hours a month that I can do other things, um, and I sort of part of the time and, and, and give it that way. But the, the the project that I'm mainly working on for Natural England is actually a mitigation project. So um, we have quite a lot of heathland um, in Hampshire, Berkshire, and Surrey, and mm. heathland is actually more rare globally than rainforest and uh, there isn't very much of it left it's yeah. very very important um, and it's very fragile it's important because it's part of the the ecosystem and there are creatures that are specially adapted to live only on heathland that's how long right. it's been with us it is a man-made landscape so it's there because humans have made it um, because of the way we've used the space for so long. A paleobotanist at the University of Reading did a study recently that proves that it's 10,000 years old in spaces. Mm-hmm. So that's how long we've, kept, we've had it, and we need to protect it. Lots of people want to live in Hampshire, Berkshire and Surrey. There's quite a lot of pressure from humans on this very delicate landscape. And mm-hmm. so um, my project is funded by any developer that wants to build within the buffer zone, which is the five kilometres of the Heathland, has to pay a tariff. My, the tariff goes to pay my wardens, my, uh, the wardens, sorry, they're not mine, they're, they're people in their own right. And we are all about educating and engaging, which is one of the reasons why it's a particularly good fit for me, because mm. I do like to do both. <laughs> how, I'm just fascinated. How did you get into Natural England? Um, I just saw a job and thought, oh, that looks fun. I tend to do that. Um, I, I just think, oh, that's, yeah, that's a good gig. I'll, I'll give that a go. And I got it. <laughs> So, yeah, that, and I can see why the, the the passion is there, but also the skill set is there, as you say. And uh, I, you have you have the engaging nature, you have the passion, and and you know what you're talking about. If you and I do it. like bits of paper that say I can do things. I think having yes. not got my A levels back in the day, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, actually, yeah, gathering evidence that I am yes. credible. Yeah, that's um, that's, that's, weirdo. That's, <laughs> that's the interesting bit I find that that you know like you say you haven't got A levels but you do have a first degree and also the fact that you do other qualifications like like you talked about the Prince Two qualification you know and that's how yeah. so tell us a little bit more about that people may not always know about that one okay so Prince Two is a project management methodology mm. which is pretty universal really I was very lucky when I was at the council that it was part of my package that mm. I could study for the qualification if I wanted to mm. I had a week-long intensive course did the exam at the end of the course got it 
So I, that for me, it works really nicely. I have I have friends that tried to get it for five years and gave up. So it mm. I, it just seems to fit to my brain, and it's is mm. a really good methodology. Mm. Uh, they've they've come out with a Prince Two Agile, which is Agile is a kind of a softwarey, computery um, element. So I'm I'm in my plan for this coming year is to get the Prince Two Agile qualification. And also, there's another professional body that I think might be quite interesting. So I think I'm going to try and join them too. And that's the Chartered Institute for Environmental. So another e management so um I'll, I'll, I, that, 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 those are my two plans for this year and i just i just like uh, to keep busy and, and do interesting stuff um along the way i've picked up the institute of leadership and management level five qualification and i got that one when i was working for a charity called groundwork mm-hmm. and there was a bit of funding for ladies that were working mm-hmm. for charities to get a level five in management so i said yep yeah, i'll do that thank you very much the LOCSU training that comes with being a member of the LSE was really useful. And I've done a leadership course there, which I really enjoyed. And mm. um, so whenever there's an opportunity, I just give it a go. And if it doesn't work, I say, oh, dear, that didn't work. That didn't work. I'll try something else. And that seems to I think that's a fairly unusual mindset. I'm not sure. I think I've had more jobs than anybody else I know. But they're all really interesting. Um, I like to do stuff like I said, that it's fun. I feel like I'm making a difference. One of my fun gigs over the years is there's a, a, a historic garden in Sonning and the owner asked me to do uh, an historic restoration, but he didn't really mean that. Um, so we got it to the point where he wanted it to be, but it was a, it's a, a Gertrude Jekyll garden and Gertrude Jekyll is a very influential landscape designer. Okay. And she partnered with uh, an architect called Edward Lutyens and they did lots of collaborative projects, but this was their first so it's historically significant in and of itself. Mm. And he wanted me to restore it. It was a brilliant gig. I really enjoyed doing that. Mm. Um, and he was a um, he played in a very famous band. So it was very, uh, very nice gig to get. But I got to the end of it and thought, right, well, we've done what we wanted to do. Um, I left a team in place to maintain it and went and got another interesting gig. Can you describe how it feels when you're learning something new? That's um, a good question. Um, exciting and interesting. And sometimes really hard. It's like, What? What do you mean? I didn't get it. And then, and then, ah, light bulb. I get it. Excellent. I just really enjoy learning new things and trying to remember them. I think it's probably part of the challenge. <laughs> yeah, but you obviously revel in it. It's not something, you know, for some people, change is such a hard thing. It's the only constant in life, isn't it? But for it some is. people, they really, really fight against change. They don't want to do anything new. They're quite happy doing what they're doing. And, and to, even if they're and, not happy themselves, even I've got a friend that's had a job that they've been complaining about for 15 years. Yes. And I'm like, get a different job. I do it all the time. It's yes. quite easy. Yes. <laughs> Just apply. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I agree, Ruth. I think, I think, you know, as, as somebody said to me, you know, I said, oh, I, I like doing something different. I like change and I like learning new stuff. And, and I like I like living for my job in a way. I, you know, if you ask me to do something nine to five every day for five days to pay the mortgage and then just live at the weekends, I couldn't do that. You know, that's not what I that's not what I'm about. And and he said, yeah, but you're the nutcase and everybody else is doing what normal people do because normal people do that. And I'm going, no, I'm not the nutcase. That's <laughs> not that's not true. Most people, you know, do find some thing they enjoy doing he goes no that's not true he said lots of people are doing things that don't I said but that's their that's their lookout that's not mine my I'm not I can't do that I can't do five days of not enjoying what I do you know because 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 I don't think you're you're authentic then absolutely and and then you're not entirely credible and then you spend a lot of time at work yes 
you might as well do something that you enjoy doing. And I think I think some folks are a bit worried of failure. And I, yeah. I completely mm-hmm. understand that. And I quite bold, but I'm also fairly cautious. So I tend to take small steps. So it's not a huge leap, if that makes sense. So I make mm-hmm. But I'm still comfortable that I feel everything's okay. Like when I was doing the landscape degree, I was still loking and ming as a dispensing optician just so that I could, you know, keep my toe in that water. Good. I'm not yeah, good advice. Um, and just, just, just make sure each step is comfy. Um, it doesn't have to be a huge change, but it's the small changes that can make such a difference. I, I think, I think we're lucky. All three of us are very lucky on this, uh, on this podcast for the fact that we all obviously love what we do and we found it fairly early or late depending on what you you know what you're well, there's still a couple of decades left to go for work for me exactly so. <laughs> exactly no but what i'm saying is we 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 have found something we like doing and enjoy doing and there must be people who who maybe haven't found that 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 position if you like yeah you know and, and i think in our industry as well it, it does lend itself to flexible working times as well yeah. so so we can do one day a week or one day a month or every day you know you, you've you've got a lot of flexibility that way and, and one of the barriers that I put in my own way uh, when I first had babies was I said to myself, well, nobody's going to want cover for lunchtimes. But that's not true. Mm. <laughs> that was just something that I thought was true, but mm. it isn't. So actually getting a gig that fits in around the school run actually is doable. And, and you know, you can do that a couple of days a week and then free your time up to do other things. And it's, it's just looking for the opportunities, I think, yeah. I think is probably key. Um, and, and, and being brave and giving it a go and if it doesn't go right oh well try something else <laughs> what i tend to say to folks yeah so so thinking about that and and being a bit sensitive there what do you think has been a failure say in the last year for you and and why do you think it happened that way is there something that you feel oh i didn't quite do it the way i should have done or is there anything you can share with us about that uh well yeah i think i think i felt not very comfortable in the clinical setting at the start of this pandemic Mm. and I got very anxious and and the thing that I was most anxious about was being an asymptomatic spreader Mm -hmm. and I and I um actually my GP was quite abused with me because I managed to develop a condition called COVID elbow because I got RSI in my elbow from all the cleaning (laughs) oh wow (laughs) gosh um and so when an opportunity came to take me out of the clinical setting even though there's lots about it I love just at the moment it's not the place for me and and I'm actually I'm feeling anxious just talking about it that's how anxious I was becoming in the clinical setting and it'll be interesting getting back in there at some point and just seeing how things are Mm. Uh, but yes that that uh, wasn't great and then there have been a couple of sort of uh, my first advisory council meeting didn't go particularly well I was a little bit I wasn't aware of some of the subtleties that were necessary to to be able to communicate effectively apart from anything else it was virtual Mm. so that's kind of a different skill set anyway I didn't know anybody else on the call so and I I I came at I came to that gig because of some behavior that I didn't approve of so I sort of did the right right I'm going to fix it not quite the right <laughs> to take <laughs> but that's all right I've learned um and um I, I've sort of I didn't think I did any permanent damage and I've just one of the things I was doing before we started to speak today actually was I'm on a working group uh, for the Landscape Institute to look at 
change. So we had an independent review. There was all these recommendations that came from the review. We're implementing the recommendations and we're just working about how to do it mm. um, to make the changes so that that behaviour stops. So we're fixing it. It's just mm. I was a bit full at the gate initially. <laughs> we're nearly there. We're nearly there. Good. Yeah. So so like you say, it is it is a case that th- like you say, things can go wrong. I think sometimes that's that's the important thing that we have to realise that things can go wrong. But you have to be in a situation where you can think, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Yes. And as long as you can move forward from it and people recognise that, yeah, you know, there are ups days and days when maybe things aren't great, then that's okay, isn't it? Yeah. And I know certainly there have been a couple of uh, webinars that I've hosted for ABDO. Um, when I, say, I don't mean host, I mean, you know, somebody else writes it and I'm just the person going, hello, everybody. You're the um, facilitator, yeah. yeah yes. Um, and uh, some of them haven't gone very well. But we get through it, you know, everybody gets the information they need at the end of it. Um, I do tend to use humour quite a lot, which you probably can tell. So I like to get people laughing. Um, I know one of the things that I really enjoy in optics is if I meet somebody who is really nervous and a bit pale and not and quite worried about things. And then by mm. the time they leave me, they're pink and they're smiley and they're happy and they're confident. Mm. I, I enjoy that. And I miss that when I'm not doing it. So mm. I, am, I, I, I will be getting back into a clinical setting at some point. Mm. I'm really looking forward to the um, NHS England initiative about uh, going into special schools. Mm. But um, I think that's it. That's that's an interesting one. So I'm keeping my eye on that. I'm 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 the person in the background that goes me 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 me. I want to do that. <laughs> so when it comes down so here, that would that tick your box then? Would it? Yeah. Is it that's something that you, you definitely? I really want to do that. I think I think I'd be quite good at that. Okay. Yeah, and and it's a big rollout, really. So I think there's there is time to do stuff like that for you. For the yeah. I spoke to the folks that are doing in the northeast at the moment. Yeah. Um, and they have promised that when it comes coves in this direction. Um, it might be London first. I don't know. We'll see. But um, so, so that's that's a big rollout, basically, with see ability, isn't it? And specialised schools, is that? Yeah, well, it's it's on the see ability model, um, and it is fundamentally different to the GOS structure. Mm. So, rather than submitting a voucher, mm. um, whatever the patient needs is supplied at cost. Mm. So, if I meet a little individual see myself doing it you know I've, I've met them in the past where actually what they need is a high index very focal mm. but most parents of eight-year-olds can't mm. afford no. a high index very focal mm. so you find the lens that fits the the parents budget mm. um whereas in this initiative whatever they need if they've got uh, facial characteristics you can get you can get a handmade frame you can get whatever lens the child needs and then they can see and that removes that barrier from mm. them um, and enables them to f- live, live their best life. Mm. Um, so I, I'm, I'm keen on that. I, th- I think children with learning difficulties have really lost out, missed out a lot during the pandemic. It's been yeah. um, they've they've not had access to to what they need. Just the learning itself, they've they've often been marginalised when it comes to the curriculum and when it comes to opportunities for their learning. So it's it's great to be able to get get them back on track and uh, back in the, in the environment, learning environment again. Yes, enabling them however we can. And I think another, uh, for example, for me is because <laughs> I've got a learning disability too I, and, and an interesting prescription. So nothing like as challenging as some of the individuals I'm looking forward to meeting if I do get that gig. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's, there's a certain element of, um, it, it echoes, it chimes with me, if that makes yes. sense. Yeah, of course. Of course, of course, yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm going to move on to some quick fire questions. Okay. Right. Up. So, <laughs> so basically, we, we want short answers. Okay. So, what would your parents 
describe what you do for a living, Ruth? Um, they don't understand. <laughs> Busy, not being an optician at the moment, something to do with gardening, I think, is what they think. <laughs> okay, good. Well, that's that's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, in the general one, people sort of say is if, if, if somebody's doing computers, you know, which is a massive field, they go, oh, yeah, she's doing computers. And I said, yeah. Oh, yeah, but what in computers? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. Exactly. They do, they do something with a computer. I'm going, oh, well, yeah, we all do something with computers. <laughs> you know, what did she do? She, did she program them? She, I don't know, she said. I don't know. Ring her and find out. <laughs> right. What is the best compliment you have ever received, Ruth? Oh, uh, Ruth, she's a really good bloke. Okay. <laughs> okay, interesting. Right, okay. And what is your favourite restaurant and favourite dish that you might order? Oh, I, gosh, it's been such a long time since we've been out very much, isn't it? I, I love a bit of sushi. Um, and I like uh, an independent. So I quite like Yo Sushi, but I prefer an independent sushi maker because love it. OK, great stuff. Sounds good. Mm. Over to you, Bobby. Yeah, fascinating. So, so you're doing some amazing things. I'm just curious, how do you know when you've done a good job? Yeah, uh, it is sometimes difficult to be able to determine. I think sometimes it takes a long time to affect mm. change. Mm. And some of the roles I've been involved with, I can see where we need to be and I can see where we are. And as long as we're making progress towards where I think we need to be um, and everybody is joining in and feeling positive about the journey, then that to me is a success. So even though we're not, we're not perfect yet, we probably never will be, Get, keeping people on helping people to see that the journey is necessary um is 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 really important um it's it's much more tangible in optics i have to say when people put the glasses on and get black glasses on they go, oh great i can see that's the, that's a nice easy tick <laughs> um that, that is quite interesting because yeah you're, you're talking about long-term longer-term projects which would have lots of little goals in, in in between as opposed to you know an instant gratification yeah Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think for me, a measure of success is when I design outside spaces, I've done some um, some playgrounds and things like that. It's looking at them and seeing people using them, connecting people outside, connecting with nature. Uh, and I've enabled that. To me, that feels like a success. I did struggle a bit with what success means um, when I first graduated. Um, you know, I've got this first, now what do I do? And one of the definitions I came up with, with I came across was a Winston Churchill one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, his definition of success, he says, success consists of going from failure to failure without lack of enthusiasm. So I can do that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yes, my favourite one. Yeah. Oh, and there's a lovely landscape architect, a Japanese lady, um, and hers is, so she says, to fly, we have to have resistance. Like that a lot. <laughs> you have to pause and reflect on that one, don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that. So what, what would you tell you, if you could go back in time and speak to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to her? <laughs> I'd say, you're all right, darling. Don't worry. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Oh, by the way, you've got a learning disability. <laughs> you're not stupid. <laughs> I think that that's a really important thing to say to kids. I mean, I, I, as behavioural optometrist, I, I do a lot of a lot of work with children with learning difficulties, including dyslexia, dyspraxia. But you've got to tell them actually, you know, you're not stupid. No. It's just you learn in a different way, and you're in an environment that, that's that's trying to teach you in one way. But you're, you're uh, you've got to find your own way to learn. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And, and, and it is people don't, you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding and the, you know, I can still get lost. I struggle to tie my shoelaces. I, in fact, occasionally, if I'm not paying attention, I'll fall out of the chair. This for me is normal. But somebody that doesn't know me, I meet for the first time. Yes, yes, I, I know I'm a bit different. It's OK, don't worry. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but 18 year old me did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be something if I could. Um, but if, if, if things were different, they'd be different. And I really like the way they are now. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much, Ruth. That, that was amazing. Uh, we're, I mean, I'm, I'm already inspired as well with all the amazing things that you're doing. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, how, how do you manage your time? How do you manage um, it? I am, do? I do, I try and be fairly um, strict, um, to be fair. So I'm thinking, okay, so I've got a couple of hours here and I'm going to achieve that in that time. Mm. Um, and uh, then what's done is done and what isn't done, we, we move it on to the next one. So like if I'm chairing a meeting, we've got the agenda to go through. If we don't make a decision, we'll just pick it up again next time because we've got all these other things to talk about. And it's that sort of mindset, I think. And also my compensation strategies for dyspraxia actually forced me to be very organized because I, I can't remember anything so I don't even try so I write everything down so I've got project books and 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 notes and those. yes I was just going to ask you that yes, is it right. is it that you have a diary or is it that you have a, a you know a, a, a project like a book or, or whatever to write everything down so you know where you are if it's in my phone it'll happen if it's not on my phone it won't happen and I have um, a pucker project pad which is an A4 thing with different tabs um, and I just have a different tab for each project and I make my notes in there. And then that even just the act of writing it down and I use colored pens, even the act of writing it down helps me to, helps to cement it in my mind um, mm. and remember things. So that works quite nicely too. Top tips there, top tips. Yes, yeah, I love a colored pen. Oh, and a mind map, honestly. Yes, love a mind map. <laughs> and I think, you know, if people are thinking about a change, one of the things to think about is what do you really enjoy doing? So my journey started, I like gardening. I really enjoy gardening. So let's see, let's explore that. So whatever it is that floats you about, whatever you do for fun, explore that and see what opportunities are out there. And I, I think folks are often sometimes surprised what a difference they can make um, with the skills we've already got it within optics, just mm. by engaging in, in, in different spheres. Mm. Volunteer to do something. Why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, also, you know, you, you spent, uh, you know, a few years learning, training as, as a dispensing optician. And then people think, oh, actually, you know, I've, I've spent all that time. I can't change because I've, I've used up all my time. It'll be like waste, wasting time. But actually, it's not. It's, it's, you, you're actually just moving forward. Yes. And the, the learning is never wasted. And the skills that you, you use and, and the knowledge that you've gained are applicable in lots of other ways and and until you explore that it's and and, you don't you never know where it's going to take you Mm. you might end up like me today having a day where you think I can't believe I get paid to do this Mm. (laughs) yeah I think I think that's a good adage for for anyone really that that you can you can find work where you get you get paid for doing what you love and that shows through in what you're doing sort of thing so I think that's that's a that's a, a good a good place to be thank you for, so much for your time thank you so much thank you very much <laughs> thank you for thinking of me thanks for joining us for this edition of the more than optics podcast make sure you're kept up to date with all our future episodes by following or subscribing to our channel and don't forget to check us out on social media at more than optics we'll see you next time <laughs>